Welcome to this episode of Dad Bod History, everybody, uh, where the beers are cold and the takes are old. That's our new tagline. Like that. Like that. Wow. So um, tonight we got a couple of guests. Uh, in addition to me, Eric, and Cameron, we've got Randy Downing and Cliff Norday. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Uh, before we get into anything, just make sure you guys, you viewers, like, subscribe, follow, so you can uh, get notifications on our channel when we have new content coming out. And... Uh, Let's start. How was your week? Uh, any tales from the dad front, so to speak? Any fun stories over the past weekend or past seven days? No. No? I mean, if I, I no. can go <laughs> if, if nobody else has anything. So, so really, go for it, Jason. Oh, go ahead, since we're on, I'll, I'll jump in real quick. Um, since we're on the baseball front, uh, my son had a baseball tournament this week. And so um, a couple of you guys have kids that are younger and we'll get to this point with tournaments it is the worst <laughs> like the baseball is great like i love baseball i can watch baseball i could watch my i'd rather watch my son play than like go to a world series game literally but perfect game is the name of these tournaments that they're running they're big time tournaments and like every player in the major leagues that is really good is played in these tournaments these tournaments are like seven days long and they're one game a day and they're like 10 o'clock in the morning or one o'clock in the afternoon once a day in phoenix so it's like heck with working or having any kind of some of the schedule for seven days you're just like arranging like how to get your son to surprise arizona which is <laughs> anything at seven o'clock in the morning literally and the next day like one o'clock in the afternoon 110 in peoria so to top it all off, the admission fee for these games is $55 for a tournament pass. Whoa. Went wow. to see an Astros game last week, and I paid less than $55 <laughs> to see the Astros and the Yankees. So <laughs> get it love together. baseball. Yeah, come on. So let me guess. The tournament director is in an air-conditioned office somewhere. No, he's in a gold-plated Mercedes. Somewhere. Oh, well, that's air-conditioned, <laughs> I assume. Yeah. He's not in Peoria, <laughs> that's for sure. See, that's that's what Dadbot History needs to run a tournament. That's what we should do. Yeah. And, and the tournament... Who would come to watch us? Not us. They're phenomenal <laughs> tournaments. They're, they're run really well. I'm not trying to throw shade on Perfect Game. They do a really good job, but the cost to watch your kid play baseball is... It's insane. Because the tournament fees themselves for the teams are incredible. And then to pay that much. So, anyway. Well, that reminds me of when we played indoor soccer at Big League Dreams. Because you pay the fee, you pay the individual fee, and then you pay you pay an entry fee every time you walk in the building to play your game. Mm, yeah. Ah, but they gave Worth you, it. Worth you it. Paid $3 to, to enter the stadium, but then they gave you $2 back in tokens That's that you true. could use. For beer or food at I still find those randomly in bags. Yeah. Plus, you got the sweet, sweet t-shirt. So, you know, it's pretty amazing. much a wash, right? It, I mean, it's really a surprise that they went under. I, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Did they? Oh, that's yeah. Oh, what yeah. No, the whole the whole facility was under like it was like, like out of code, like it was failing <laughs> all sorts of building codes. Shocker. Um, 
because anytime it rained, it would leak into the roof. But yeah, they had to shut it all down. There you They're go. back now. They they redid it. The town of Gilbert took it over. Yeah. 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 Now they oh, it's, it, it is for pretzels. Oh yeah, it's a value. Um, no, it's, yeah, that's uh good memories there. Uh, so real quick, I got a story. My daughter the other day was was laying next to me while we were watching TV, and she goes, "Daddy, why isn't mommy ever afraid of anything?" And I go, well, "No, she's scared of some things." And my my wife walks by, and and I go, "Right?" And she goes, "Yeah, you know, I'm I'm scared of if if you guys the kids ever got hurt or when daddy goes on a bike ride if if a car's gonna hit him, you know, those sort of things." And she goes, oh, really? And like my daughter says that, yeah, really? And she's like, yeah, those are things I'm scared of. And I go, she's also scared of sharks. And my daughter, the second she heard that my wife was scared of sharks, went, <laughs> like, I had this evil laugh. And, like, did the scheming hands thing. And, like, oh, I might have I let something slip there. And we might be in trouble because clearly she was just, she was just plying me for information to – use it a later date. So that's my bad. I'm, I'm sorry, but yeah, it was <laughs> super funny. So is the shark costume on its way already? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. She's got access to all her Amazon account and there you yeah, go. I've no doubt about it. <laughs> so instead of the horse head and the Godfather, you're going to get the shark head. Like, exactly. Sorry, honey, this one's on me. And it's seriously, <laughs> my, my wife, my wife's fear of sharks is like, if I made a printout of a piece of shark on a piece of paper and he, like, showed it to her suddenly that would bother her like it's not just like going into the ocean and being afraid of sharks it's like seeing pictures of sharks on the tv is too much for her so yeah if if, if my daughter did that it would be devastating well, she awesome, swim in the ocean? devastating you just what? have to let her well, know she, about shark week yeah will she ever swim in the ocean no she no? won't even set foot in it no. no she's well aware of shark week and it is not allowed in this household <laughs> I mean, let your daughter know. You're like, this is the week which Shark is, Week is. Which is Here's unfortunate. Because my son absolutely loves sharks and loves sea creatures and knows everything about them. And uh, yeah, it's going to create some Secretly time. playing with sharks in his room. At night. <laughs> oh, yeah. He is. All I wanted to do was be a shark trainer. Yeah. <laughs> it's my dream, mom. So anybody, anybody else got anything? Um, so I got a chance to play golf over the weekend at my Ooh. hometown golf course. And, you know, that's about a three time a year thing for me. And there's, there's a, my favorite hole in the golf course. It's a short par three over water. So it's a really fun hole. And I, this was the closest I had ever come to making a hole in one. I mean, it wasn't super close, but I had about a 10 foot putt for birdie on that and of course i missed it got the par but it was pretty exciting that's a big deal for me on about a 140 yard hole to come within about 10 feet that's a lot of pressure that was a highlight I oh it was a hit. knee knocker man I, yeah. I was i wanted that birdie so bad yeah you gave yourself the yips on that that's what happened seriously yeah there could have been sharks in that lake it might have been. <laughs> <laughs> those lake those lake sharks are they're terrifying oh yeah jake did you just say the yips yeah that's the second time i've heard that in a week and well, i've never heard I'm that i'm getting before. ready for the theme of the episode that's a the that's a baseball, a baseball term I, I i have not heard that ever before wow. except for just now 
And uh, last week when uh, season two of Ted Lasso premiered, the only time I've ever heard the term yips. That amazes me. I mean, that's a well-known baseball term. Well, I'm not the baseball guy, right? What a, what a great segue, right? Yeah. Well, before we do that, I do have one other thing I want to go over and no, it's not the bucks winning the NBA finals. Although that was awesome. I mean, we can't talk about that, but um, so when we were back in Pennsylvania, visiting my wife's family, um, my, I guess it's my, my father-in-law, her stepfather, Tony, as uh, he's from Tony. Pittsburgh, he's a hundred percent Italian and he looks, he looks the part and, uh, and anytime we go to visit him, he's always like got these like dry one-liner jokes and he just tells them to me in, in rows. And so I've got one, I want to give you guys tonight and maybe I'll do some more another a week, but here's the, the goal or the first one. Uh, two radios got married. The wedding was okay, but they had really great reception. So that's jokes from Tony. There you go. J- joke from Tony. Joke from Tony. Are there more? So, oh, there's tons. Oh, excellent. Yeah. That's good to know. Uh, he had a fish. A fish wasn't. <laughs> a guy had a fish that wasn't feeling good, so he took it to see a sturgeon. Um. I told my doctor that I kept getting hit by a bicycle. He told me sounds like it's a vicious cycle. So this is really what we've missed on the dad bod podcast. (laughs) Dad dad jokes jokes. are where it's at, man. He's got a bunch of great addition. Yeah. Did you hear about that kidnapping at the school? No, it's okay. Everything worked out. He woke up. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I'll keep asking him for he's got tons. All right. That's it. Do you want to get started? You want to get into the topic of the day? Uh, greatest baseball players in history? Yeah, let's uh, jump in. I, I know I kind of said this before we started recording. Um, I'm not a baseball guy. I don't hate the game, but sometimes I find it. I don't know. There's things that, about it that I don't understand. I don't understand why people get so excited about it. Um, but understanding that topic and, and I know baseball is kind of that American pastime. Before we get started, uh, I have one question because I'm going to pose some questions as we go throughout. Um, For me, the one thing that comes to mind with baseball, there's some smells and sounds to baseball that are. They're just they're just baseball. And if I turn on the radio and there's a baseball game going, I can tell it's a baseball game without hearing anyone mention the game, just the sound of the crowd. Um, There's just sounds of baseball. Um, But. Question is, what is the most memorable moment involving baseball for each of you? Because obviously you love it. So there's something about it that. Easy, easy answer for me. Um, 1988, Kurt Gibson, um, home run game one of the World Series. So I was. I was a kid at the time. I was probably 11, 12 years old. Um, I wasn't feeling good. So my parents went to a friend's house with my brothers and I was at home laying on the couch. And I love the Dodgers. I grew up a Dodger fan, Cameron, little known fan. I didn't know that. Yeah, my grandfather was a Brooklyn Dodger fan. So I grew up loving the Dodgers. Arizona didn't have a team. Colorado didn't have a team. This is pre all that. Hmm. Dennis Eckersley had one of the best seasons as a closer in the history of baseball. He was unstoppable. The Oakland A's were unbeatable. 
Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, huge favorites in the World Series. Mm. Kurt Gibson was injured. He was the MVP of the National League, but he's injured. He's got a bad hamstring on both, basically a bad hamstring on one leg and a bad quad on the other leg. Can't drive off his back leg, can't land. He gets up and pinch hits in the last inning and hits a home run to win the game and really changed the entire series. The Dodgers went on and won the series in five games, but everyone remembers that home run. He's limping around the bay. It was just like a real life moment from the movie. It was, I'll never forget. I'm jumping up and down on my couch alone. And um, it was the, the best cool moment I've ever remembered. Yeah. That was, that was a cool moment for me. And I was, you know, I was only five at the time and I was still, you know, I was too young to really understand baseball and, and get the whole gist of it. But I remember, you know, longtime announcer Vin Scully for the Dodgers doesn't get real excited, doesn't isn't big on the superlatives, isn't big on, you know, going crazy. But his reaction to um, Gibson's home run was what sticks with me more, because I again, I was only a five year old kid. But he just had such a good call of that game. And to this day, whenever I see old video or anything, it stops me in my tracks. I turn up the volume on the TV and I just freeze and, and listen and watch. It was, yeah, maybe the, the most exciting moment in baseball history. I mean, most people would put that on their short list, regardless of whether or not they're a Dodger fan. So that's that's kind of mine, too. Cliff, which uh, Hannes Wagner moment was your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> when he signed that baseball for me, 28. <laughs> uh, you know what? My favorite moment, I don't know if it's a favorite moment. It's probably my first real game that I went, was my first real game that I went to. My uh, uncle and uh, cousin came up and they are devout Dodgers fans. And they're from the LA area, Temple City. And so they came up to Oakland. We were staying. This is in 1972. And that's when Oakland was good and they're i think they won world series in 70 72 73 somewhere and they're all they won like three in a row um and so i went to the game with them and this is my first game and i was just in awe you know with all the people and how manicured the field was even at that crappy stadium but um they were playing the yankees and it was uh fourth of july weekend and uh I remember the Yankees coming out and everybody's booing them. And I felt sorry for him just as a kid, you know, and my uncle, he's like, well, who are you rooting for? And I said, the Yankees. And they were just unmerciful to me. And I was just so set in my ways. I'm like, that's my team. That's for And from then on, I've been a Yankee fan since I was 10. That's, so that's cool. what it was. That's what the, the moment that made you a Yankees fan. Yep. That's really cool. Huh. It it's so it's so on brand for Cliff too that the more that they made fun of him, the more he's like, "I'm not going to change." I'm, I'm out stubborn, you guys. Now, yeah, as like a five year old, he's like, "Nope, not going to do it." Cliff's a fan of the underdogs. Those new, <laughs> yeah, those upstart Yankees. <laughs> they yeah, were, they never they, win. They were really bad back then for years. Yeah. Um. All right, that's awesome. It, I guess we can get started with with kind of the plan here. So the, the goal I had set up with this episode was um, to see what would be the 
greatest baseball players in history and specifically at each position. So who is the greatest first baseman, second baseman, and so on and so forth. And it's not going to be like a draft where we pick one and nobody else can pick that. It's more of just an open discussion. We'll say, all right, who were your three? Who did you guys pick for first base? Um, Part of the reason I want to do this episode, and I think I'd like to do it for other sports as well, is I think when we have these discussions and the way, you know, life is today, anytime somebody wins something, everyone's like, well, are they the greatest of all time now? Right. Giannis just won the NBA finals and everyone's like, well, now he's got to be in the conversation for greatest of all time. It's like, he just won. Like, and for me, it's, we have this recency bias with championships and we tend to forget a lot of the, the greats that came before as a result. And I think what I think this episode will do is kind of in part highlight some of those, those greats from, from the past, especially with baseball. I mean, every sport has them, but baseball has got a probably the richest history in, in American sports um, as far as, Hall of Famers and all-time greats um, from different eras and different cities. And um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that, that goes. Um, so yeah, that, that's the plan. There is no specific draft. Um, you guys will discuss, make your cases and vote. And if there's a tie on, on one particular position, I guess Eric and I can be the, the tie breaking votes, even though we have very limited knowledge I think Eric recused himself a bit. Oh, did he? Yeah. I think I'm in the best position to decide if someone made a good case. Yeah, we'll be like, well, he's got a funny name, so we'll vote for that guy. Um, But uh, so we are going to do all nine positions. However, for pitcher, we will have one starter, one reliever, one closer, and we will also have designated hitter um, as well. So actually, it'll be a total of 10 players. Um, but all nine positions will be covered. Point of clarification. Sure. Three outfielders or best left fielder, best center fielder, best right fielder. I mean, I guess best I was, in each position. I, yeah, I went, I went left center, right. We can okay. do it that way. I don't know what the difference between a right and a left fielder is. They do the same thing. In a different one's on spot. the right, one's on the left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, right. Okay, some high level baseball player. discussion. Fun fact, traditionally, your right fielder has a stronger arm because he'll have to make longer throws, specifically from right field to third base. He's usually a better defender. Your left fielder is is a lot of times the worst. Your best hitter? Uh, A great hitter, yeah. Sometimes uh, um, can be a liability, although not on my team because my team are all 10 greats. Okay. (laughs) Um, Well, I think... Cliff and Cameron, you said you you picked left, center, right, correct? You didn't mm-hmm. just pick? Yeah. Okay. So we'll just go with it that way um, for the outfielders. Uh, without further ado. Uh, and and sorry, Jake, one more point of clarification. is sure. As far as starters, I chose a starter, a guy out of the bullpen, and a closer. A reliever. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's okay. fine. Okay, yeah, so I've got, I've got three different pitchers on my yeah, sure. On so we have you, you have twelve players in your roster is what you have. Yeah, a total of twelve. Yeah, yeah. And you can have you know if you guys all pick 
Randy Johnson for your pitcher. Yes. That's fine. It's not like you can't overlap because it's not a draft. It's just a discussion. Um, so it would be Randy Johnson as starting pitcher and Kurt Schilling as a reliever, right? Was yeah, the other exactly. way around. You got it. Eric's work. contribution to this episode. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, uh, without further ado, let's, uh, Get started, Eric. Do you have a question first, or do we just want to get into pitchers and catchers? Let, let's let's do the let's get to the meat of this, and then I'll ask. I got a question or two after we get through the pitchers. Um, okay, we'll go from so there. So pitchers uh, and catchers. We should let Cameron go first. So we can make fun of his pick. Of course, I like it. Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, right, pitcher Vegas vacation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, number one overall pick. No, just kidding. Um, I, it was really hard for me as I was going through this list. There are a lot of Dodger fans that are, or Dodger players that are top five at each position. There's a lot of unbelievable Dodger players. Um, and I almost chose a Dodger for my starting pitcher. Um, but when it comes to pitching, I feel like that's an almost an individual sport. And as great as some of the older guys, you know, the Cy Youngs, the Walter Johnsons of back in the day, um, I don't think that that would translate as well as a hitter. So I'm going to choose only modern pitchers, A, because I remember them, and B, because, you know, my opinion is that, and, and Jake and I have gone around and around about this, like players of old versus players of now. Um, Cy Young was a great pitcher, won 500 games. Nobody will ever win 400, yet alone 500. Um, but I don't see him getting Mike Trout out. I just don't. Um, he was a guy that threw 150 pitches every, I, I think they had a, a four-man rotation back then. It was just a different game. So I'm going to choose a modern pitcher. I'm going to choose the the pitcher that I, at his peak, was the most dominant pitcher I ever saw, Randy Johnson. Um Good luck as a left-handed pitcher or a left-handed hitter trying to get to that slider. Um, it started, it starts behind the head of a left-handed pitcher, and then it's going to go off the plate away and down. Um, he was just absolutely devastating. He threw high nineties, touched a hundred. And, you know, is that, that fastball slider combination that was just unhittable. I mean, him and, and Kurt Schilling, you know, beat a great, great Yankee team. And it was just basically those two, uh, the Diamondbacks rode them to the championships. And when you have a, a pitcher that's that good, if I have to win a game, I'm choosing Randy Johnson to start that game for me. Uh, I mean, my only contribution to that is it wasn't he when he got inducted, like as close to a unanimous Hall of Fame selection as baseball will allow since they never do unanimous votes no they do unanimous votes only no, they do. Cobb was the was the highest percentage overall okay uh, as far Rivera, as Rivera was 100 percent 97.3 third highest percentage of all time for pitchers and, and jeter go. was second i think hmm. who votes against who, who's the person that votes seriously <laughs> somebody that's vindictive some sports writers just never vote first time for some people. Just, yeah, just as a habit. True. It's, it's an overblown thing that they talk about. I mean, you know, you get a 97% in uh, history class, Jake. That's not anything to, you know, 
complain. <laughs> oh, I'm not complaining. So, so I'll go. Um, I, I, I think that my first choice uh, for a pitcher, starting pitcher, has to be, in my opinion, the most dominant starting pitcher over a long, long period of time. And that is Nolan Ryan. I uh, was in Arlington uh, over the couple weeks ago and got my Nolan Ryan t-shirt. I, I love Nolan Ryan. He's a 27-year uh, career, uh, led Major League Baseball uh, with 5,714 strikeouts. So that's the most all-time. Uh, I think Randy Johnson's actually second. Um, yes. A lot of that is longevity. And like Cameron said, pitching is really an individual thing. Um, the worst thing for Nolan Ryan is he played on a lot of mediocre teams. Mm -hmm. um, not a lot of people know it, but he was actually part of the Miracle Mets. That was his only championship in 1969. He was a terrible team, ended up winning the World Series. Um, but after that, he, he bounced around and played uh, for, for Anaheim. He played in Houston, and then he ended his career in Texas. But uh, on all of those teams that were really mediocre teams, he ended up with 324 wins. Um, one of the craziest stats is 5,714 strikeouts, like we talked about, 5,386 innings pitched. So over a 27-year he struck out more than one person in an inning, which is insane. Yeah, that's big time. Um, he was an eight-time All-Star. Um, he threw seven no-hitters. Um, that's another record that is, is uh, individual statistic. I mean, seven times he was unhittable. And one of the crazy things about Nolan Ryan is even though, I mean, his career ended in the 90s, started in the 60s, That's he wild. still threw harder than probably top five velocity all time. I mean, he's mm -hmm. really hard before people threw really hard. There's a really good documentary that came out a few years ago called Fastball the Movie. Um, it's really interesting on how they calculate um, velocity. Um, and then how they calculated it over time and to compare it. And then summary of the movie, um, I won't, I won't spoil it, but, uh, Nolan Ryan was, was an all time great. So, hmm. um, nothing against Randy Johnson. I think he's, a one of my favorite players, but, um, Nolan was, was the guy that, uh, was the all time alpha last fun fact in his autobiography, he actually threw 87 miles an hour left-handed which is insane. That's a cool stat <laughs> on my best day pitching. And I pitched in college a little bit, not, a, not at a high level, but at, at a college level, I think I threw probably 87, 88 miles an hour on my absolute best day. So he threw it with his non-dominant arm, which is. I, I like that pick Randy. He's a, he's a great, you know, like you said, strikeout guy. And the great thing about having a pitcher with great stuff like that that can get you get you a strikeout at any time is if he pitches himself into a jam or if he walks a couple guys or whatever, and you know, if the base is loaded, nobody out, he gets a strikeout, and then you're a double way, double play away from ending the inning. So it's always nice to be able to to rear back and throw a fastball by somebody in a tight spot. And, you know, if we're, if we're playing this game, this hypothetical game with our top 12 guys, that's a good guy to have to get a strikeout at any time. So great pick. Nolan Ryan was just an intimidating pitcher as well as a person. And mm -hmm. you can ask, you can ask Ventura about that as he charged the mound. And, uh, and wasn't Nolan Ryan like in his, 
mid forties when Robin Ventura charged the mound too. Oh, like, he was. Yeah. He, had him he, he was an old man at that point. Pounded his face in. So yeah, that was impressive. Well, and, and, and the other thing too is is when Ryan pitched, I mean, they used to throw 120 or more pitches a game. I mean, you starting pitcher, you just went until you couldn't go. Mm-hmm. And now I mean, you look at all the arm injuries, you look at all the arm care, you look, I mean, he was just an old school, just almost a bridge between the modern day pitcher ability wise and the old school. Give so me- here's a question. Were, were all these injuries occurring back in the sixties and seventies or did they just play through them? What's, what's the difference? I mean, if these, if these old school pitchers, why do they not have the same issues that guys in the modern era do? That is probably a whole nother hour long podcast, but is it, they just smoked more cigars and drank more beer. You know, there's probably a lot of stuff it out. Yes. You know, there, there's a lot less known about arm hair. Um, I also think that, uh, I mean, they just, you've got old school guys that probably pitch through a lot of pain. Yeah. And torn tendons and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, high school kids too. I don't, I don't know about your son, Randy, and if he's on a pitch count and everything, but, but kids really young, even in little league, you're not supposed to throw more than a certain number of pitches as a 12 year old. So when you grow up that way, it's pretty hard to adapt to throwing 300 innings like the guys of old did. So it's just part of how they grew up. So. On, on my pick, I had Nolan Ryan up there, but one fact about Nolan Ryan is he never won a Cy Young. Hmm. So that's the, you know, the, if you want to measure pitchers, you know, who's the best each year, it's the Cy Young winner. And he never won one, which is surprising to me. Well, and the challenge there too is a lot of times Cy Young goes to a pitcher who's on one of the better teams and so much of his career played on teams that weren't great. Yeah. Um, and Nolan Ryan was truly old school. If Tatis was playing in his era, he would have thrown a ball at his head every game. You know, <laughs> it, it, he wouldn't be doing bat flips and stuff with Nolan. That just didn't happen back then. So, um, so Nolan was uh, towards the top of mine, but I actually also, I agreed with Cameron and I went, if I was going to start somebody, I'd start Randy Johnson. So that, that's who my starting picture pick was. I mean, if it was going to come to a tiebreaker between anybody, I was going to pick Randy Johnson because he exploded a pigeon one time. So that was that was the only insight I had on that. But you had me at exploded. Yeah, yeah. So look we'll that say, up on YouTube, Eric. If you haven't seen that, it's. Amazing. But I do remember Nolan Ryan as a kid. Every year they say hey, this is the anniversary of the pitch, and I yeah. see it. I'm like, that's fantastic. Yeah. Peter, so I mean, so. In an alternate universe, we went right-handed pitcher, left-handed pitcher, reliever. And I think there, there's room for both. I mean, but... You got to put one guy in the mound. Put your guy in the mound. You know, you can point, counterpoint. Johnson didn't pitch well in the postseason. 2001 was really the only time he pitched well. It's all that mattered. That's that's my memory, by the way. (laughs) But (laughs) Nolan Ryan wasn't in the postseason a lot. So there's Mm -hmm. a lot of, if we're debating the two... um, Sure. I don't think you can go wrong either way. Um, you know, Johnson definitely won a ton more Cy Youngs, that's for sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, uh, it's hard to argue that he wasn't great. My, my number two was actually Bob Gibson, um, mm. who, another right-handed pitcher, but uh, really- he was terrifying. 
Yeah, um, another intimidator and maybe one of the most underrated players of, of all time. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's get to the relievers. So, because a lot of, you know, baseball players don't pitch full games anymore. So, um, if you have a reliever, who's going to be that, who's going to be that guy that comes in, in the middle innings and carries it across a bit, Cameron. So, you know, let's, uh, did you go first, Cameron? I went first last time. Yeah. All right. Uh, Randy, why don't you go first this time? My, my long reliever is, uh, Rich Goose Gossage. So um, relief pitchers used to be starter can't finish. Relief pitcher comes in, might throw the sixth, seventh, and eighth, might throw the sixth, seventh, and eighth, and ninth. And when you go to that, um, Goose Gossage was probably the best reliever all time, bridging from the modern era where the closer really became a thing, where the closer really became you're throwing the ninth inning every inning. So uh, Goose was a nine-time All-Star. He played 22 years. He's in the Hall of Fame. He won a <clears throat> with the Yankees. He took the San Diego Padres to the World Series, who had never gone anywhere close there. Um, it, it's probably my my weakest player on the team, uh, which is uh, weird to say that about a Hall of Famer, but Goose Gossage was my long reliever. All right, Cliff, who do you got? I, uh, I went with Dennis Eckersley, so who actually was a starter and then a reliever and then kind of a closer there at the end. But through, I think he played twenty some years, over twenty years as a pitcher. So that's that's pretty amazing in itself. But uh, besides giving up that shot to Gibson, he's, uh, <laughs> he, was, he was pretty solid throughout. Um, you know, you're going to bring him in. He's going to get some strikeouts and he's going to do it for you. So. And a very another fierce competitor. In fact, I was watching a thing the other day, and they were talking about he never spoke to Gibson for years after that. He was so upset he would not let that go. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. They they never All talked right, so. about it until Gibson became a. Uh, they were both doing analyst stuff, and so that's when they met up, talked about it. That's, that's cool. Awesome. Um, so, so my pick, this is a former Dodger. When you look back at him, you don't think of him as a Dodger, but, um, early in his career, uh, he was, he was a very promising pitcher out of the bullpen for the Dodgers in 1993. He actually won 10 games all out of the bullpen, didn't have a start. And he ended up being Pedro Martinez, um, the Pedro Martinez that, you know, was most dominant was that 1999 year. I think it was um, during the steroid era in the AL East facing that murderous uh, lineup of the Yankees. He went, um, what are his numbers? Cause this is one of the all time best seasons of pitchers. Uh, he was 23 and four um, with a 2.07 ERA in that era was just unbelievable. Um, and he had 313 strikeouts in that, in that year. Um, he was only 5'11", 170, but he threw absolute gas and he was an intimidating guy. Um, after a game against the Yankees, um, he had a great game and, and, uh, you know, there's the curse and this was, was, um, you know, the, the Yankees Red Sox rivalry is very well-documented, right? So they talked to him about it and he's all 
angry and mad after his game. He played well, but um, a reporter sticks a mic in his face and he says, I don't believe in a damn curse. Wake up the Bambino and have me face him. Maybe I'll drill him in the ribs. And Pedro was just well-known as mouthy, arrogant. He'd throw at you and then walk halfway to the plate and, and let you know that he drilled you in the ribs. Um, great player, great competitor, and I'm, I'm using him as my reliever. Well, Cam, he was a starter, so he might have been a reliever, <laughs> but he was a starting pitcher. 99, like you described, he was a, a starter. So That's kind of a, you know, that's a stretch like when we took a, a certain kind of movie and stretched it into a yeah, drama. Yeah, when Inception was my second first-round pick. <laughs> Totally different rules, which I followed. So, you know, I'm one of those savvy managers. I'm going to, you know, find some wiggle room in the rule book. And at one time he was a reliever. Did you pick Moneyball for the last movies? That's what it was. Your money, your Moneyball on this. Okay. No, I see how it is. (laughs) All right. Well, we got three different relievers. So I don't, I don't know any of them. So who do you guys who who do you think of those well, three? The one guy has a nickname Goose, and I love that's, Top Gun. Goose is um, solid. Well, and he's actually the only guy that's a middle reliever on this list. So Eckersley I think has a Eckersley's great mustache. A closer. Pedro's a starter. Actually, Super both those guys have great mustaches. I remember Pedro Martinez, and I remember the uh, 2004 uh, what ALCS. I mean, the, they came the, back against the Yankees. Yeah, they came back. That was, I remember that, but I, and Pedro Martinez kind of rings a bell, but. Oh, yeah, Pedro Martinez. Oh, yeah, so we got All right. <laughs> All right. Well, do you guys, are you going to vote? Is this you... the other Dominican baseball player besides Sammy Sosa? Uh, yeah, him just, just the two. Him and Sammy Sosa are probably the uh, the only Dominicans ever to play in the big leagues. Yeah, you're right, Eric. <laughs> Thanks, Mike Tarika. Okay, so you can't vote for yourself, guys. You can't vote for your own pick. Who would you vote for? Gossage. Eckersley. I've got to vote for Eckersley because Martinez is not a believer. <laughs> All right, Dennis Eckersley carries. All right, closers. All right. I guess I, I think know. this has got to be unanimous, right? I mean, uh, yeah. Cliff, yeah. you go, Cliff. Uh, Yankee, Mariano Rivera. I figured. I'm Absolute guessing everybody. No okay. Sandman. Real quick stats on him. 19-year career, 13-time All-Star, five times World Series champ, major record, 652 saves in the Hall of Fame unanimously in 2019. Um Unbelievable, unbeatable, except for 2001. Go D-backs. And uh, I was going to say Byung Hyun Kim is on the list. No, he uh, shows him as a closer. Dishonorable mention for me. (laughs) Byung Hyun Kim wanted to lose that series so bad. (laughs) He was on the take. Watching watching Mo, I think it was his last game when he retired. He seems like one of those athletes that I don't know. He just seems like a good guy. And it seemed like even his opponents respected and liked him. And I know the way you're describing some of these pitchers who intentionally threw the ball to hurt people, I I guess maybe I never got that sense with, with Rivera and maybe he did, but it it just doesn't seem like, it seems like one of those guys that 
he's he's almost above the game in a sense. Wasn't that his reputation, Cliff? He's a really nice guy and well liked by fans and teammates and everybody. Yep, he is. He's uh, a lot of charity work, especially back in his country, and mm. so yeah. Good the guy. craziest yeah. thing about Rivera is he basically had one pitch. He yeah, cut fastball. So he threw a fastball that would really run in on a right-hander um, or, or, I mean, he could get it to move wherever he wanted to, but they knew it was going to be a fastball. When he came into the game, they knew it was going to be there and it was mm-hmm. good. He never got beat. So we're going to, we're going to throw around a lot of stats tonight, you know, and, and to me, this, this will probably at the end of the night be the most impressive stat. And I'll, I'll hit you with two different numbers. His career postseason ERA was 0.7. 0.70 was his postseason career ERA. His whip, walks plus hits per innings pitched, was 0.759. That is mind-blowing over an entire career, over 16 years and 32 series. I mean, he was untouchable except for that uh time that Luis Gonzalez blooped one over the, the shortstop and really got lucky. So basically what, what whip is, is it's how many runners that you give up, um, you know, per, uh, per nine per inning. inning. That's guys who get on base. Yes. Correct. Uh, well, regardless of how, well, errors and walks, plus don't hits. count walks or hits that are allowed for the pitchers. So less than one in an inning in his career got on base. And just a clarification, earned run average is had have you had you played an entire nine nine innings? How many runs on a nine inning basis? Okay. Okay. So fantastic. All right. Um, well, that was a quick one for closers. I'm a little surprised. Ben Sheets didn't come up on the list at all, but whatever. Let's we'll move on. Since he's a starter, he wouldn't. But Raleigh Fingers was a great pitcher. Just saying. Never leave you as my honorable mention. <laughs> oh, I'm saying anywhere in the pitchers, not just uh, yeah. Um, all right, catchers. Then let's move on to catchers. And then uh, question from Eric. So uh, Cam, start us off on catchers. I, I went back and forth on this. I, I'm and right now I'm really torn because to me there's there's two really good catchers and then there's everybody else. Um, this would be another opportunity to to throw a Dodger in there. Mike Piazza was was probably the best hitting catcher of all time, but he was just terrible behind the plate. Um, I am going to select Yogi Berra behind the plate. He won more. Uh, World Series championships than any other player um, handled the pitchers really, really well. Had kind of sneaky power. If you look at his numbers um, throughout his career, he put up pretty good numbers. And if I'm if if one of my pitchers were needing a mound visit, if they pitched themselves into a jam or something, Yogi Berra would go out there to the mound and lighten the mood. He'd give one of his one liners, one of his all time famous little funnies, and um, you know, my, my pitcher would come back and strike out the side. So Yogi Berra would be a, a great addition to any team. You know, what's interesting about him from my very little knowledge. Uh, he started play in 1946. He last appeared 
uh, at the end of the season in 1965, which was a year before Nolan Ryan first played, who played until when, 1993? I think so. That's two players over a 47, 46-year gap. It's kind of wild. Yeah. So I, uh, I actually had Yogi as my third catcher. Um, my number one was Johnny Bench. Mm. Um, Johnny Bench, 17-year career, won the Rookie of the Year in the National League, 14-time All-Stars in 17 years, won the World Series twice with the Big Red Machine, two NL MVPs, uh, World Series MVP in 76, 10 times Gold Glove, and uh, two-time National League home run leader. Um, so best of both worlds with Johnny Bench, uh, absolute slugger, um, and a gold glove catcher, uh, for the big red machine. Um, Yogi had the personality. Um, I think Johnny Bench was, uh, the best catcher of all time, defensively, offensively, the whole package. My number two, um, and tempted to put him one, there's really nowhere to way to compare as Josh Gibson, uh, Negro mm-hmm. catcher, uh, Unbelievable player. Again, probably another podcast. I won't take up a lot of time, but uh, just uh, Google uh, Josh Gibson. Um, get- some, some of the anecdotes about uh, Josh Gibson were, were pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I didn't pick him because I didn't know anything about him. Um, you know, very limited numbers and, and stuff that's quantifiable. But yeah, there's some pretty cool stories back in the day about him. All right. Uh, so for, for me, uh, being a Yankee fan, Yogi was, uh, he's up there. Um, but he, he had the fortune to play on a lot of good Yankee teams. So, but as far as a pure all around defense and hitting catcher, I also had to go with Johnny Bench. So that's where I went out of it. He, uh, hit for power. I don't think Yogi ever won MVP. Um, Yogi's a three-time MVP winner, according to this. Oh, is he? Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yeah, I'm still going with Johnny. <laughs> They're both great players. They really are. As far as major yeah. catchers, it's one and one. So. Yeah. Yeah, I had I had Yogi as my second. I wanted to pick him just for the Yankee factor as well. But I mean, if I was building the team as a manager, I, I'd probably go with Bench. All right. Nobody's picking Bob Uecker, huh? Just <laughs> yeah. last chance. Last chance. All right. All right. So Johnny Bench as the all-time greatest catcher. I like it. Uh, let's move to first base. Well, and, hold on. I got some oh, questions. No. Eric's got a question. I'm going to break things up. I got some questions Sorry. for you. This first one is a yes or no question. Um, and Jake, you can feel free to answer it. I'll answer it myself. The current Major League Baseball season is 162 games. Is that too long? No. No. But they'll never change it. You say yes, though, right? I, I think it's too long, but they'll never change. Okay. Here's another question, kind of a follow-up. What teams – we just had the All-Star break, and I think the, the old adage goes, you can't win the pennant in May, but you can lose it. And there's a lot of teams that are already out of the running – with, with that in mind, are the teams that have made up large deficits at this point in the season come back from like 
No, I don't. I, I think, I don't the, think not this year. Well, I mean, between here and the end of the season, is historically, gonna... the Oakland A's always run off the second half. I mean, I think there was one year they won 30 games um, to, to climb back from, from nowhere. There's always teams that kind of sneak in, especially now with the wild card. You can sneak into the playoffs and go. Um, Oakland's the one that really comes to mind. The Rockies, during their October year when they got to the World Series, I think they won like their last 20 games to go I, sneak into the playoffs. And that go. was in August. wasn't like they had an August that was just unreal. August or September, but yeah, just went nuclear at the end of the year. And, and yeah, they were the wild card team that year too, weren't they? Yeah. I will going back to the 162 games real quickly, Eric, you know, the cool thing about baseball is it's a daily thing. It's like a relationship. You know, you back when we had newspapers, you open the paper, you check the box score and you really get to watch your team every day. But from a, from a total like health and they should, tr- I think they should trim baseball, basketball. Agreed. Well, cause they make money doing it and it's also tradition. Yeah. And I think there, there's kind of the allure. I know. And this, this will be my next question. Um, well, let me just, yeah, there's the allure of, oh, there's a game. We can go down, we can go see a game. Um, just kind of part of the, the, the heartbeat of the city or the town um, that there's a game on. You can just kind of go in and go see a game. Yeah, even today, I think most stadiums, you can just walk up and buy a ticket right there and walk in and go see the game. And that's an experience. Uh, what that brings to mind is films. And so do you have a favorite baseball film and what is it? I think my favorite is Bull Durham. Um, uh, there's a lot of great ones. That's just the one that jumps out in my mind though. Cause I have one too. And I'll share it when we're done. Uh, for me, I would say probably feel the dreams. I never had a great relationship with my dad, so that one kind of touches me. My, my favorite movie, uh, baseball movie of all time, is The Natural. Um, I still get chills watching the end of that movie. It's a, it's a great, um, you know, redemption movie. Um, Field of Dreams is also great. Paul Durham's hilarious uh, for for that. Major League's good, but to me, Major League. Yeah, the natural is uh, is my personal favorite. Jake, do you have one? You know, it's funny. I I mean, I wanted to pick Major League because it's a funny movie, but I think growing up, Field of Dreams was probably the most impactful um, <clears throat> sports movie I had watched as a kid. Um, yeah, so I, I would have to agree with that. I think Field of Dreams. I've actually been to the field. Uh, I think it's in Ames, Iowa, and. Uh, like my mom loved it, but yeah, it was, a, it was a, it was just kind of a special movie and it wasn't, it was about baseball, but it wasn't just about baseball. And I think good sports mm-hmm. movies transcend the sport itself. Yankees um, are playing there this year. Are they? Really? Yes. Hmm. Hmm. My, cool. my favorite, the one that jumps out to me is because it's tied to history is eight men out. The story of the, uh, 1919, uh, Chicago white Sox and them throwing the world series and, I think there's a lot of really good elements that part of that is, you know, kind of the early 1900s, how baseball was just part of a culture in an area. But also there's a scene there where they, uh, people are in a bar and they're reporting the score of the game and somebody is just changing the numbers on the wall in the, in the bar. 
as they get it across the ticker tape. And that's how they are watching the game. And I think that's kind of an interesting way of, you know, that's how it was done a hundred years ago. And today it's, you're watching it live on phones in high definition and it's a wild contrast. So uh, that's all the questions I have for this point. So we can move on to the infield, I think. All right. Uh, yeah, we got pitchers, we got catchers. So let's go to first base. And I have a question before you guys make your pick. And I think it'd be Randy, you can pick first on this one. But I've always heard and that first base is first base is one of the hardest positions to play in baseball. Um, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that's something I remember hearing. And you've got to do a lot of things right to be a good first baseman, whereas other other positions you have a little more, I guess, leeway or grace. I think the hardest positions catcher probably after that maybe first. But okay. So, so you'll hear this a lot in baseball is we want to be strong up the middle. And what that means is defensively, your best defenders are up the middle of the field, catcher, okay. shortstop, second base, center field. Those are your really good defensive players. Now it is a difficult position, but you're not doing a lot of throwing. So right there, one of the hardest things you do defensively as a first baseman, you really don't do. Um, there is some nuance to it, but, uh, not not the hardest position uh, on the field. Um, okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. Um, I guess maybe it's just when a first baseman misses the catch, there is nobody backing him up, right? Like if a second baseman misses something, there's somebody behind him that can help him out. But yeah, that, I, yeah, I think that's a good call, Jake. It, I always notice a really good first baseman because, you know, to you guys point, it, it doesn't take much to be an okay first baseman, but if you're a really good first baseman, you can impact the game quite a bit because you get so many chances, you get so many put outs, you get so many balls, you know, thrown to you. So if, if you hold on a runner really well, or if you make a stretch and, you know, you get extra outs for your team, that can make a big difference over a 162 game season. Typically, sure. you know, they don't make a fantastic flashy play like a shortstop would but um over the course of the season can make a big difference yeah well, everyone I'll, is... I'll, argue, I'll argue that because the catcher is involved in every pitch mm -hmm. it's a hard position physically probably the hardest position physically sure he's got to be the brains behind what pitch is coming what the hitters need what the hitters don't need mm -hmm. i mean he's a lot of research off the field it's that's got to be the probably the hardest brain position physical position he's the quarterback of the team exactly and let's be honest in the major leagues you're not picking a ton of balls out of the dirt um yeah you know it's it's first base is where you're going to put your slow guy who can hit 30 mm -hmm. no i get that prince fielder is a first baseman for the brewers i understand like you don't have the big out they're not super athletic but i just i, I always heard it was a difficult position um all right randy why don't you, you go to ahead make with everyone else's bad throws look good that's yeah. why we have a bigger mitt <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, so my first baseman, um, and, and I'm not a fan of this player. He's a great guy from what I've heard off the field, but he is a fantastic uh, National League Rookie of the Year, 10-time All-Star, two-time World Series champion, three-time NL MVP, two gold gloves, six Silver Slugger award. Fun fact about the Silver Slugger, it started in 1980. So some of these old guys don't have any silver slugger awards because it didn't exist. But um, this is the only player on my team who's not in the Hall of Fame. 
And it's because he's still playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, that is Albert Pujols. Lifetime 297 hitter, 3,286 hits and counting, 675 home runs and counting. Well, I he hated is, him when he was a Cardinal. He was torched the Brewers multiple times. I, I think he started off with his career, um, you know, just 30 home run years after 30 home run years. I mean, I, I think he had his first, and I'm not looking it up, but I think it's 14 years or something. He had 30 home runs consecutively in a year. So um, just one of the all time compilers of stats. So consistent. And um, I think his nickname is um, Machina or Machine, just because that's what he does. Super consistent. Good pick. I have a, I have a student who uh, is a big Angels fan. That's his team. Like they, they're out in that part of Southern California. He hates the Dodgers. This past year, um, they waived Pujols, and uh, then he signed with the Dodgers. And the next day, that kid came in, like, just defeated. He's like, how could he do that? And I'm like, well, he doesn't want to move. He just go the other direction, I think, every day to work. So... Like, I don't know how you go to, I mean, they're not division rivals, right? They're in different leagues, but still right. there's something odd about that. Is he even starting? Is he or coming off the bench? Or what is no, he? at this point, I don't think he's starting. Well, he was starting for a while because Bellinger was hurt. It's a lot of injuries. Bellinger yeah. got healthy. He's a, he's a pinch hitter at this point. I mean, he yeah, as well be retired. Injuries really took a I mean, but still to be, he's basically also 41 for eight years. Yeah, I mean he's, you know, there, there's I, I must I, I'm guessing who Cliff's first baseman is, who's a also a great pick. My assumption of that, but Pujols offensively is un, unbelievable, and he did win a couple Gold Gloves, so he was a good defender for a couple of those years. Hey, well, go ahead, Cliff. What's your what's your pick? Uh, I'm going to go with the old timer, Lou Gehrig. Yeah, seven-time All-Star. He won the Triple Crown, six times in the World Series winner. Um, just a great guy off the field. Um, <clears throat> even back in an era when everybody was partying and doing everything like that, but he was just off the field, just a super guy. Always going to hospitals, always looking out for kids. It's easy to get an autograph, easy to talk to. So... I'm going with him. Today, 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 I consider myself, myself, myself. <laughs> yeah, that's a great moment, man. Great moment. Not, not for the audio guy. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's running audio at that stadium, really botched it. Got some feedback, yeah. Steinberg's I remember watching a movie. fired him. <laughs> really? No, this the audio guy. I remember watching a movie. It was like an old black and white movie. I don't know. It was like Gregory Peck was in it who played Lou Gehrig. And it was like this story of him. And it was so good. And it was just like, then I get it. It's Hollywood. But it's like you got the sense of the man, not just the player. And like every, and it like kind of started detailing his health failing. And um, I don't remember what the movie was called, but I, it was, it was a really great movie. And the everything I've learned about Lou Gehrig is just like, I mean, he was the Iron Man, right? He had the longest record before a, was it Clemens Cal or Cal Ripken broke it? You know, I mean, he was, he was just an incredible player. Um, the, the movie was the pride of the Yankees and it was actually Gary Cooper, but well, okay. There you go. He was kind of, I thought it was Jimmy Stewart. I had to just look it up. So, okay. 
and then round two. Go ahead, Cliff. He was kind of a recluse on that one. He didn't uh, he didn't go out a lot. He stayed at home a lot. Sure. Um, so. So, so there's a saying in baseball that's uh, don't get Wally pipped. And the meaning for the saying is Wally Pipp was the guy that played before Lou Gehrig. So Lou Gehrig was mm -hmm. on the Iron Horse. He played in a ton of games. I think it was over 2,100 games in a row. Um, but Wally Pipp either got sick. Headache. Or, what's that? He had a headache. He had a headache. Yeah. They put Gehrig in and never came out of the lineup. Literally. <laughs> 2100 games. So Jake at, at uh, your job at Cole Creek, don't get, don't ever get Wally Pitt. <laughs> uh, I'm terrified to take time off for that reason. <laughs> oh. I'm going to slide um, in there. I think. Yeah. yeah. And, and that was a great comment there. You know, it's just baseball is a microcosm of life and, you know, you hear it all the time, but I think this is the sport that lends itself more the day in day out to just everyday life and making a living and, um, it, it's just, it's such a cool sport in that way. The, the better that I've understood baseball over the years, the more that I've come to appreciate it. Although I didn't play it, I've, uh, always watched it from afar and been a big fan of it. Um, so when it comes to my first baseman pick, uh, just to be a contrarian, um, Lou Gehrig is this awesome pick. Albert Pujols holds is a great pick. Um, I'm going to choose Stan Musial. Now, I realize that he played a lot of outfield, wasn't always a first baseman, but he put up incredible numbers and he's in the very small list of most decorated, most celebrated, most respected guys. Everybody that talks to him was just super, you know, he's one of the all time nice guys in baseball, put up unbelievable numbers. His career lifetime batting average is 331. Um you know, 475 home runs, almost 2000 RBIs, which is incredible. Just consistent over a 22 game or 22 uh, year career. And he missed a year in his prime for World War II. So, you know, his, his numbers, you could have added another 40 home runs and another 100 RBIs conservatively to what he was doing at that time. So, um, Great, great player and right up there top of the, you know, he's, he's, he's on a lot of people's top 10 all time list. I would discount him because he only played first base three years out of his career. I believe. No, I mean, yeah. no, he played, no, he played more than that. Four, four, five, six. What was his name? Stan what? Stan Musial. M-U-S-I-A-L. Long time card. You didn't know that, Eric? I knew that totally. It was top of my head. So, okay, well, we got three different picks. So we have a potential tie. So vote for anyone, not yourself. Uh, go ahead. I'm going Lou Gehrig. I'm going Gehrig. Okay. My pick doesn't matter. But you want one cliff, so that's all that matters. <laughs> I would have to go with pools because I don't consider uh, mutual a first baseman. Okay. All right. Well, uh, moving on to second base. Uh, cliff, I think it's you. Uh, second base, I went with uh, Jackie Robinson. I don't know. Uh, I mean, the, the pressure he played under, 
um, to break that color barrier and come up sure. um, was just, I don't know, there's a lot you can say about him. Uh, played in the Negro Leagues prior to that. Um, so, you know, he got rookie of the year, um, seven-time All-Star, another MVP, another batting title, just fast, just dominated, played through a lot of oppression and, you know, traveling with the team and not it, just the hardship of his whole career and stuff just really opened doors and barriers. So even outside of baseball, just, yeah, we are uh, Jackie Robinson. And he had a relatively short career in the majors, right? Like he didn't, like a lot of these guys are playing yeah. like 20 years. Like he didn't have a very long career, but man, seven all-stars. 11, 11 years. Yeah. I mean, that's just incredible how good he was in a relatively short period of time. I don't know the answer to this question. So Cliff, help me out here. Was he a little bit late to break into the major leagues or did he just not stay healthy? And what was the reason that his career was shorter? Well, he was in the Negro Leagues prior to coming up to the major leagues. So when they brought him up, he was the first. first he wasn't there player. that long, though, in the Negro Leagues. He had a short career. He actually had a short life. He only lived to be 53. So yeah. he was blind like halfway through his life. He had some pretty significant issues with, I think, diabetes. Yeah. So, so I'm not, I mean, I don't know why his career was short. That was before he was also in the military. In yeah. I was just thinking he served World War II. So that was before, that was before his baseball career though, I believe. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that was his early twenties. Yeah. He was, he was in the uh, Negro leagues for, uh, from 1946 to 56. Oh, really? Okay. That's a long time. That's, that's where his career was. That's a 20 yeah. year career. The yeah, Negro Leagues or the Major Leagues? No, he was in the Major because he broke in in 1947 Yeah, to the Major Leagues. But he oh, served no. in oh, World sorry, War II. You know You're right. He was only with Kansas City Monarchs for one year. Yeah. Huh. And then, he, then he, uh, he went to the war. But, I mean, by the time he got into – he was like 27, 28 when he got into – started for the Dodgers. So, I mean, he wasn't – like you said, he wasn't a young man when he finally made it to the Majors. He was 20 yeah. when he started with the Dodgers. Yeah. I think it was his military service um, before yeah. his baseball career. Um, and then again, he he was he had some health issues. I mean, that sure. that's one of the big tragedies. Um, you look at Jackie Robinson, Roberto Clemente, they just they didn't live um, yeah. long lives. Yeah. I, I some of the and this was really old tape, obviously, you know, they didn't televise a lot of games back in 1947, but to watch his speed, it was evident even back then. I mean, he stole home and, and changed the game with his speed. So, you know, the numbers don't really jump out at you just because he didn't play long. Enough, it looked but. like he was in fast forward and everyone yes. else is in slow-mo. Yeah. Yeah. It, that really made an impression on me mm -hmm. when I've, when I've seen it years later that, man, that guy could run. And he was, you know, probably a, a, early day Ricky Henderson type player. All right. Well, Cameron, it's your pick for second base. Who do you got? Um, my second baseman. Um, I, none of us ever saw this guy play. Um, just going, going way back into the, to the day I, I kind of Googled him and it, it kind of piqued my interest. Um, Rogers Hornsby put up unbelievable numbers a hundred years ago. Um, but lifetime batting average in the, uh, three fifties, 
um, everything that you want out of a second baseman. He was a great defender, very fast. Um, you know, and one was the, one of the first real second baseman to be an offensive weapon for sure. So, um, in those days to, to average 114 RBI, um, a year was pretty impressive. Won two MVP awards, won two triple crowns. Um, pretty, uh, pretty impressive resume. I think I've heard of him, but I've never, like, I couldn't tell you anything about him. And I'm just looking at this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight years with an OPS over a thousand, which is unbelievable. And one more that he was 996. So, um, you know, the, even the sabermetrics guys a hundred years later say, wow, this guy would have been great in any era. And what about his Bipa? He doesn't have a whip, does he? He doesn't no, have a whip because he's not a no pitcher. Whip. He had an actual buggy whip. <laughs> yeah. oh, that was totally different. It's called a riding crop. And yeah. All right, uh, Randy, finish us out on second base. I, I had Jackie Robinson as well. Um, you know, and, and the interesting thing about him to me, just really quick, is so he broke the color barrier in 1947, but then also won the rookie of the year. That's astonishing to me, just on my prejudice on what that would have been like. And, you know, obviously watching movies or whatever else, like that's a pretty cool thing. You know, not only did, was he the first African-American baseball player, but he also won the rookie of the year. One that they awarded him the rookie of the year, you know, is, is pretty incredible. That was, that was yeah. to, to do it under the circumstances that he had to have do it done under, and then the fact that they actually gave him the award are, are two pretty, there's, there's got to be a good backstory. Behind so here, I guess the question would be based on the stats of that year. Did he earn that award? Oh, like I'm he sure. legit I mean, earned, sure it, he like, earned it. He earned it twice, twice over. Yeah. You know, and, and the other great thing about him, just again, grew up a Brooklyn Dodger fan because my grandfather telling me stories, there's a book out, it's called Dem Bums. Jake, you'd like that being, you know, that this is a history podcast. It tells the story of the Brooklyn Dodgers who notoriously would lose to the Yankees in the series almost every year. And so 55 was the year that they didn't, uh, they, they won the world series and they beat the Yankees. Uh, I think it's seven games. Um, so that's, uh, that, that, that's a pretty big time. I mean, any world series is great. Winning it like when you're the Buffalo Bills and you're losing it all the time and getting over the hump, that's what Jackie Robinson helped the Dodgers do in 55. Sure. Good call. Yeah, it's just, you know, 125 runs, 175 hits, 12 home runs, played 151 games. How many steals did he have? Uh, is that SB? Yes. 29. A lot. Uh batting average 297 on base percentage 383, 427 slug, 810 OPS. That was his rookie year. So I'm guessing that's good. I mean, I don't know numbers well enough, but it sounds good. So he changed yeah. the game as far as when he was on base. He was so fast and so yeah. so so 
it, it really changed it as far as what pitchers were having to keep an eye on him and everybody sure. players. So yeah. led the league in steals that year. Jeez. Okay. Led the league in sacrifice hits. Hmm. All right. Um, so Eric, do you had a question or was that the question? I, I got, uh, I got some, again, these are just yes or no's and then we can follow them up. Uh, so these are kind of like rule changes um, in Major League Baseball. Uh, should there be a universal designated hitter? No. Universally not be a designated hitter. Say that again, Randy? We should universally not have the designated hitter. They should get rid of it. Okay, so Cameron said yes, right? I said no. No, I said yes. Cliff said yes. Okay. Well, it's two to one. We got to change the rule now. So <laughs> call up the commissioner. Uh, next one. Should they start using an automated strike zone? No. Absolutely not. Nope. Randy? No. Oh, man. So I, I think it's a fantastic idea. But all right. No, and, and here's why. I mean, catchers, such a big part of the game for catchers is receiving the baseball is how you catch the baseball and what that, that relationship and what you do. And you put an automated strike. It takes away most of that nuance of the game. You just sit back there and have, uh, who is it? Engelbert from bad news bears catching for you now. So. I've heard too, it's not working well in single A where they're using it. It's just not accurate enough. So they, I think it would be more accurate, but if, but if they could make it accurate, have, they have an umpire behind there that can ever actually override the computer because they said it's not that accurate. Hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't look at it in three D. There's a great. There's a great story on Real Sports from a few years ago in statistics, and statistically, it would work. So, from a like science standpoint, I think it would be better. But from a baseball purist, you know how the game works. It would take away so much of the game. I'm just saying, believe the science. Uh, the next one. <laughs> well, hold on. I really want to chime in on this because I something I I do like about baseball is that they were kind of resistant to the review stuff. You know that football and and basketball have. You know they they kind of came late to the game where you can challenge a call, so to speak. And I like that human element where and it, from what I understand, like umpire crews, they have tendencies, and so players and teams know the. T- tendencies of those umpires and so they adjust their game accordingly and i think that's kind of i don't know if it's better but it it just adds this character to baseball that where you have a machine that might be more accurate it takes away some of that i guess that that character and i think that's something that's really cool Tim and, Donahue and, uh, and Scott Foster have a tendency. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I knew he was going to go. say it. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> gosh. Next, moving on. Don't let Eric so, get going. Next question. Should there be a hard and enforced pitch clock? No. No. Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, one more. One, one, let me do you. One of the things they're doing right now, they just started doing it, I think, this week. And is having, they have a um, buzzer in the pitcher and a keypad on the catcher so he can pick his uh, pitches. No more sign stealing. I like the sign stealing. It's a good element. Yeah. Huh, I didn't know that. 
they say it's unhackable and it's just the only person that has it is the catcher and the pitcher hmm. and he can huh. take his pitch from there that's that's pretty wild does that, does that speed it up then the technology they say, is there they say, they say it speeds it up a lot they're using the same technology that Altuve wore underneath this jersey. <laughs> <laughs> it's just perfecting it. Yeah. Okay. So then, one more question: Should batters be um, forbidden from adjusting their gloves more than once in at bat? No. <laughs> Might be the most no. infuriating thing I watch anytime I watch baseball. Just. Uh, Eric, do you know who Nomar Garcia Pera is? I've heard the name. Yeah. Yeah. Watching him play baseball and he was, you know, he was a Dodger in the, I don't know, circa 05, 06, something like that. And he was so maddening to watch hit, you know, he was just hyperactive in between pitches. He'd stand out of the, the batter's box. So he's like the, the poster boy of, Hey, speed the game up. So I, but it's a just, good question. You know, but they it stand was, there. They don't. That's do the guy anything. that I think of. And then they're like, "Well, I better readjust my gloves because I I yeah. stood there for ten seconds holding my bat." Well, it's it's a, it's more of a ritual, and it's yeah, I, it's yeah. A, it's, it's a, a mind reset. Thing. Yeah, I, right. I get that, but so, I don't know. Kind of like Giannis and his uh, twelve, 12 second, second free throws, right? Yeah. Yeah. right, Eric. Yeah, yeah, it is. They should have disallowed all eighteen of those free throws in, <laughs> in game six. I well, love how Eric's Eric's they, questions are taking a things I don't like about baseball fan. <laughs> That's what it's all becoming. Things that bother me. Good games, I think it's good. You know, honestly, to one inning. This so so to Eric's point, like there's there's things that people don't like about baseball. My personal opinion is baseball is going the wrong way. They're trying to speed it up where I think that they should slow it down or, or not speed it up. Because I think in life, we're trying to do so many things so fast and jumbotrons and music and everything else. Like to me, baseball should be come and not be quick. Your whole life is fast. Your whole life is buzzing towards traffic and getting this meeting mm -hmm. at this stuff. Like come and relax. Like I think baseball is missing the mark because they're not saving that much time. Like we're not talking about you know, and, and, and no offense, Eric, but you're not their demographic, right? Like they're going to go and shorten the game by 10 minutes and you're going to watch. You're not going to go, well, now, now I'm watching. Like it's only two hours and 50 minutes. Like it's Good just, call. Like a just soccer another game. audience. So. 90 minutes and we're done. Yeah. All right. So 90-ish minutes. It's yeah, never 90. <laughs> okay. Let's just. It's 90 plus stoppage. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to the rest of our infield then. All right, third yeah, baseman third base. and shortstops. We're going third base or shortstop first? Third. Third base. All right. Uh, my third baseman is Mike Schmidt, Philadelphia Phillies. 18-year uh, career, 12-time All-Star, World Series champion in 1980. Three NL MVPs, 10 gold gloves, six silver sluggers, eight times home run champ for the National League. Hall of Famer in 1995, elected to the All-Century and the All-Time team for third base by Major League Baseball. Um, he had 550 home runs, wasn't a great hitter for average, hit a lot of home runs, a lot of big home runs, and was a great defender. Therefore, he's my third baseman. He's kind of a small guy, too, wasn't he? One huge. Yeah. Not like a power guy, you would think it's hitting 500 home runs. All right, uh, Cliff, why don't you go? 
I think third base is going to be kind of, like, I'd be surprised if it's not, it's going to be like the closer. I'm also Mike Schmidt. There's, that, there's nobody that played third base better than Mike. Mm-hmm. And Cameron? Yeah. Um, Cliff and I were talking, you know, offline prior to recording this and, uh, uh, that's collusion. That's we collusion. didn't say any names. Yeah. No, we didn't say any names, okay. but we okay. both kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. The third base is, is the easiest pick. Everybody's going to have the same pick here. And yeah, it's, it's Mike Schmidt hands down. Okay. That was fast. We sped the game up for Eric on that one. There you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, for saving time. Short stop. Uh, Cam, why don't you go first? Um, I'm I'm gonna I, I don't know who Cliff's gonna pick with this. I, I almost I, I feel like apologizing to Cliff ahead of time for making this pick. You can go ahead and mark it down right now, Eric. Um Derek Jeter. If if I'm in a game seven and it's a clutch situation and in I two thousand one and I need a hit. I was um, at that game. I'm gonna go with five time World Series champion. Derek Jeter. Um, he's, he's one of the most clutch athletes of our generation, always made the big play, always made the big hit. Um, I think he ended up with like 3,400 hits, which is unbelievable. Um, 310 lifetime hitter, uh, won a couple of gold gloves. Wasn't a fantastic shortstop. I mean, there were, there were better shortstops than him, uh, but he was a very solid defender, won some gold gloves, like I said, and, you know, Definitely far from the best number compiler, but yeah, I, I need him in my lineup in a game sure. seven. Uh, f- first ballot, 99.75%. Ooh, Jeez. Who's the one guy that said no? <laughs> Bill Simmons. Um, Can we have that? Is that one of your questions, Eric? The blind vote for Hall of Fame? Because I think some of these guys vote no just to be jerks. Maybe I'm I, wrong, but... I, that had, was not one of my questions, but oh, Sorry. anyway, uh, Randy, why don't you go ahead? <clears throat> uh, my take is Cal Ripken Jr. Uh, Twenty-one year career, won the Rookie of the Year in 1982, won the MVP twice, World Series champ in '83, nineteen-time All-Star, played 21 years, 19 times he was an All-Star. Impressive. Loves eight Silver Sluggers. 2,632 consecutive games played. So that Lou Gehrig guy we were talking about, he played more games in a row than him. Which, if you talk about 162 games, Eric, and the grind of baseball, to do what he did and to put up those numbers, um, over 3,000 hits, over 400 home runs, and, and literally 19 times was the best American League shortstop Um Cal Ripken Jr. to me is the, the no-brain answer. Uh, my my runner-up was Thomas Wagner, but I never saw him play, so Cliff can speak to you know whether or not he was good enough. To, <laughs> so so Cal Ripken Jr. did Cliff not utilize he did not utilize load management at all, did he? Not at all. He was not a Kawhi Leonard school of uh, of. Uh, I remember when he broke the record, Luke Eddie and. What was he had to make it to the fifth inning for it to count? Like that was the rule. Like you, you wouldn't count as a full game unless you made it to the fifth inning. And everyone was like, 
like they were like making sure the the path to the baseline was all clear like they didn't want him to trip and like they everything was like just make sure he makes it to the fifth inning like it was such a big moment and it was so like and i'm not an orioles fan or necessarily but it was like it was just so cool to watch that history be made as as mm-hmm. he came out it was unbelievable now i'm not going to tell this story because it's I'm hundred percent true, but Google Kevin Costner, Cal Ripken Jr. And just, just do it. Janice, if you're watching, <laughs> Costner, Cal, Cal Ripken Jr. Google it. All right. Cliff uh, knows because he's smirking. Cliff, you go ahead. Um, so I love Jeter, but uh, for, for this one, I had to go with Honus Wagner. Uh, there's nobody with better stats. His wars at 130. He has a thousand less at bats than Cal Ripken. He has more hits. High of 328 average, 723 stolen bases. I don't think Cal had more than 30 bases stolen. So I remember you on base. I remember you telling me, Cliff, this is a few years ago about Honus Wagner. Cause I'm like, well, that's like the big rare baseball card that mm-hmm. is worth millions. And I'm like, was he a good player or is it just that his baseball card is rare? And you're like, no, he was awesome. And then I looked it up and it was just like, he just dominated the sport and he did it for such a long time. Like, like, he, I mean, he's, he's almost unknown um, were it not for his rare baseball card, but he was like, I don't know if you could put him up there with Ruth or, or Gary or something, but he was just yeah, no, you, you a wrecking crew. Yeah. He's, he's the best player that most people haven't heard of. I mean, sure. his career started in the 1800s for crying out loud. So, yeah. you know, you're just not going to catch wind of him, but yeah, I mean, he hit 381 one year. That's unbelievable. He was one of your original anti-tobacconists. <laughs> That's why his card is so rare. I'm shocked you voted for him. Cliff. I know <laughs> this card's so rare because it came in a pack of uh, tobacco. They had a, a line of baseball cards that came in tobacco and he didn't get permission for them to use his card. So he filed suit and they had already sent some of them out and then they had to take his cards out of all the rest of the packs. So there's only a very few that ever came out. That's why it's so rare. Huh. Cliff, you, you might know this off the top of your head, but, um, when when that sold that one you know expensive card what was the high selling price it was in the millions wasn't it for that one oh yeah when baseball I, it, card it's it, it, it sold a lot of times now i think right at one time gretzky and somebody else owned it together um, Jeez. So, 3.75 million this geez. may yeah it's yeah. It, it sells all the time i don't know that's so can I ask real quick? And and I thought one of you is going to pick Ozzy Smith as shortstop. And I mean, I'm, I can't argue with any of the picks you guys made, but I was he just not as good as I thought he was when I was a kid? Or he was probably the best, in my opinion. He was probably the best defensive shortstop I ever saw. Um, him and Omar Vizquel were one two. Okay. as far as defensively, but he wasn't a hitter. He wasn't a power hitter. You know, he, he was a slap hitter. He'd get on and, you know, maybe steal a base, but career he was total. Like a 220 hitter. Not only was he not a great hitter, he wasn't a good hitter. He was a uh, so defender. 
262 okay. career career average. He hit 28 home runs over his entire career. Oh and wow! And it could okay. do a backflip. I mean, that's yeah, something. That was cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's that clears it up. Um, so you guys got to vote because you both you all pick somebody different. Who who would you vote for? Not yourself. I'm going to take Honus Wagner for Cliff. Okay. I would go with Jeter. Randy? Take Honus Wagner. Honus. Okay. All right. Uh, what do we got next? Eric, another question? Yeah, I got some. Uh, I got questions. So these are kind of goofy rule changes. <laughs> and anyone who knows me, I know Jake knows this quite well about me and Cameron to some extent. I'm absolutely willing to say let's have let's wildly change the rules to a sport and see if it makes it a little bit more interesting <laughs> um so here's a uh possible rule change you've got nine no. innings right no no <laughs> no, no. You've, you've got nine <laughs> innings and you've got nine players why not everyone play every position one inning out in the field so they gotta do a round robin <laughs> yeah yeah everyone has to pitch one <laughs> inning that's like one no. of those, that's one of those <laughs> charity games, yeah. celebrity charity games, the Kardashians and all those guys. <laughs> yeah, they've had a, they've had a couple of college players do that in the game. Um, I don't know if I'm, I'm 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 assuming some big leaguers done it, right, Cliff? I, I think there's one. Maybe Hannes Wagner. No, uh, Marky Mark Grace pitched that one Remember time. That. Yeah. Well, they've had that. I, I know that's actually a, a rule they've considered, uh, or it is a rule. I think if you're up by six or more runs that a non-pitcher can take the mound in certain situations, oh, how um, help? but just to, you know, open the game up, everybody's got to be able to do everything. Um, on the other end of that, obviously everyone says no. So here's another one. Uh, being that not everyone is a great offensive player. What if you let your one, two, three batters bat every single inning? You think so? You don't have to go. You don't have to go through the lineup. Uh, you can start with your one, two, three batters every inning. Oh, so you can start at the top every. You inning. start at the top every inning. You'd rotate through the other six, those other six, but you always get your best three batters out there. You know, they I mean, talk about certain wide receivers get targeted. The, I'm sorry, Eric. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So you know, certain wide receivers get targeted for more receptions. Certain basketball players take more shots. Why not let your best hitters hit? You know, I think that's one of the challenges with baseball, especially when they get into like TV and postseason, is you can't control when Mike Trout's going to come up and you want him to come up biggest spot, you know. And and sometimes the uh, who's the who's the kid uh, Cliff for the double race last year? It's like a two twenty hitter, and he hit the home run, and he took his shirt off, he's flying around like an eagle. Phillips. But you, you can't control coming up. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, there, there's. Yeah, you can't, you can't count how many times that the no-name kids won the game for you. It's mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, I think that the networks would love it if, uh, you know, Mike Trout could hit. Nine Mike times Trout would love game. it, too. Yeah, well, it's hurt, but once he gets healthy. Yeah, but, I mean, wouldn't those big hitters, like, I mean, they would be shattering home run records if they got to hit. Oh yeah, you'd have to throw <laughs> the top the of the inning. Yeah, and going back to the other one, there's only been five players to ever play all positions. 
Really? A Andrew Romine was the last one. Yeah, there was a guy. Yeah, okay. Andrew Romine is, is a... Uh, so what does that mean to play all positions? He had played all positions at one point in his career, or yes. he's like, where do you want me today, coach? No, he at, all, at one point he played in a game in every position. They did wow. on purpose. Wow. You know, actually, uh, Will Ferrell did that in spring training for nine different teams. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was an awesome. <laughs> he was flying all over the country. And he coached third base. He can do it all. Um. All right, outfielders. Let's uh, start with left field. Who do you got, Cliff? Uh, left field. I have probably who what I would consider one of the the greatest baseball player, Ted Williams, whose career was in his prime cut short for a stint in uh, Korea. He finished above four hundred, right? Batting Correct. average. Last He's hitter. the only player. Last guy that last hit 400. <laughs> yep. 408. Was he a I've Red got, Sox? I've got Ted Williams also. He uh, was a he was a Red Sox. Okay. Here's a crazy stat: 19 year career, 19 time All Star. So he's literally an All Star every year he played. Mm. Wow. Two-time AL MVP, won the Triple Crown twice. Triple Crown is highest batting average, most home runs, and most RBIs, all three of those in one year. Um, won the batting title six times. Uh, major league record, 482 on base percentage, which means 48% of the time he got up to bat, he would get on base. And, and like Cliff said, he did fly in the Korean War, but he also flew in World War II, I believe. So he was he did. Flew in the war twice. Wow. Yeah, wow. He, he missed three years in his prime and still ended up with 521 home runs and 1,800 RBIs. I mean, that Jeez. is mind-blowing. Yeah, the, he the flew coolest. years. And then he missed another season like two years later. He had That's like right. six games and he missed a year. And, and those yeah. Prime years, so yeah. yeah, he came in when he was twenty, and his last year was twenty when he was twenty three, and then he went to the war from when he was twenty four, twenty five, and twenty six, and then he came back when he was twenty seven and picked mm -hmm. right up where he left off. And, and yeah. flew fighter jets too, so it wasn't like you know shoveling coal in the barracks somewhere. Yeah, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, he was yeah, right the, serious combat. Cameron, People are you going to make it three three? They call him the best hitter of all time. And, and I agree with that. I think pure hitter for power for average, there was nobody. He understood hitting so well. Um, yeah. Definitely a student of the game. Are you going to make uh, it? He was a brainiac as far as that went and study. He would just practice in the mirror in his hotel room every night. Mm -hmm. And he, he wasn't really well liked by his fellow teammates and stuff, just because he was so intense. Yeah. Speaking of Brainiac, his frozen severed head is still in Scottsdale. That's right. Someday he may add to these numbers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's back, baby. That's right. See the uh, the robot at uh, the U.S. France game this morning shooting I, free throws. Made yeah. all his free throws. <laughs> Great. Um, Can't Cameron. Are you going to make it three for three for Ted Williams or you got someone else? Yeah. Yeah. It's an absolute no brainer. This is the other one where Cliff and I kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh. Um, 
the, the, and there are tons of anecdotes about Ted Williams. Um, one of my favorites is the, uh, 1941 season, maybe his best season. That's the one he went, uh, hit four Oh six. Um, and, and I might get this a little bit wrong guys. So, so help me with this going into the last day of the season, he had a 401 batting average and everybody was telling him, you know, nobody's, nobody's hit 400 in, in 40 years. Don't mess this up. You've got to be the guy. It would be only fitting if you end up doing this. He plays a double header on the last game of the season, goes six for eight on the day and ends up going 406 for the, for the year. So all that pressure was on him. Everybody gave him the out, said, no, don't play. And he said, no, I'm playing. And not only am I going to play, I'm going to kill it today. So that's awesome. Yeah. Fact check. I think he hit 408, but I do think that that story is so accurate. It's 406. I just didn't know what it was going into the last day. So. Yeah, he was he was 406, but he was actually his last at bat. They said that he should sit out and mm, definitely, okay. definitely do it. And he he said, "No, I'm gonna. I don't care about that. I'm gonna go hit." That's awesome. And also, also homered in his last bat as a 41 year old. I think he homered in his first at bat too. He was one of the only people to homer in his first and last at bat. Oh, cool. Yeah. Hmm, didn't know that. Yep. Career um, OPS of um, one point one one six. It's hard when it's over one to to say it right, but it's almost career OPS OPS of one point one one six. Unbelievable. All right. Well, let's. Um, I mean, that's pretty unanimous with with left field. Let's move on to center. And um, Randy, why don't you start us off? So um, back in Cliff's day. There were three center fielders, always Willie, Mickey, and the Duke. Um, all three New York teams, um, Mickey Mantle with the Yankees, Duke Snyder with the Brooklyn Dodgers, and Willie Mays with the New York Giants. Um, Mickey Mantle is my favorite player of all time, and I love Duke Snyder. We've been over the Giants connection, but uh, Willie Mays is the best center fielder of all time. Um Unbelievable career, uh, won the rookie of the year. Um, I don't, I have this number wrong on all stars, but he had a lot of all star appearances. One of four, it's 1924 time all star. Yeah. Okay. See, I had that written down too, but I have a, as a 23 year career, which is different. That's how good he was. That's one of his best accomplishments. Yeah. So, um, Two-time NL MVP, 12 gold gloves, um, led the NL in home runs four times, led the NL in stolen bases four times, all-time and all-century team for MLB, um, 660 home runs, 338 stolen bases, over 3,200 hits, lifetime batting average of 302, unbelievable player, the say hey kid, one of the best defensive center fielders, um, of all time as well. He also started in the Negro Leagues. Yeah, I think he played three years. With the Birmingham. So he could have been. He could have had even bigger numbers if those yes. three years he was in the majors. Well, wow. Hold on, because he, he, he was also uh, military for I think one year at least. He he was chosen for the All Star Game twenty four times, but between the years nineteen fifty four and nineteen seventy three. 
So yeah, that's how good he I'm, was. I'm looking at ESPN.com and there's a little asterisk. It said he played in two all-star games in 59, 60, 61, and 62. Any idea what what that is? Did they have separate all-star games for each for, league? I don't know. Let's just say he was an all-star a lot. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that anybody's been more of an all-star than Willie. Have they? Not that I know I, of. I don't think so. All right. Um, Cliff, why don't you go ahead then? What's, who's your center fielder? Oh, I'm going to go with Willie Mace. For all the same reasons. That shocks me, Cliff. That uh, shocks I me. I, Mantle's one of my all-time favorites as well. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you're doing a good job not being a homer, Cliff. <laughs> if I'm feeling the team to win, I, I'm going to probably put Willie out there because he's he does it for everything. You can okay. you can debate Mantle versus Mays who was the better player, but statistically, Willie's just better numbers. I mean, Mickey Mantle got hurt very early in his career, actually, okay. in center field and tripped on a sprinkler, hurt his knee basically his whole career. And hates Joe DiMaggio better. for that to this day. Yeah. But, I mean, and I, I can't stand the Giants. I, I really can't. But I do love Willie Mays. Um, great player, great person from everything I've read. So, right. you, so I'll tell you an autograph story from Willie. So I, I've actually met him a few times getting autographs. But you've got a, a good Willie and you got a bitter Willie signature. And when you get an autograph from Willie, Back in the old days, he used to sign it real big on the ball. And now he's kind of bitter about signing stuff. And so it's really small. You can like hardly read a, a Willie Mays signature anymore. It's just how he signs it now. He's just like. Did you get a bitter Willie signature or a good Willie? I, I've got a few Willies. So some good, some bad. Okay. <laughs> he's still alive. Huh? Oh, wow. 90 years old. 90. Yeah. Wow. yeah. All right. Uh, Cam, who do, who do you got? Yeah, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it three for three. Um, Best center fielder. Um, I I think defensively he was better. I think offensively he was better. Um, Speed. He he was probably the first five tool player. You know, when you talk about hitting, hitting for power, speed, good arm, and defense. um, He's the prototypical five tool player. And and. I, I don't know if that's the first guy that was considered that, but he's widely, you know, that, that word, that term is thrown around a lot when you talk about Willie Mays. Okay. All right. Well, that takes us to right field. So, um, Cameron, why don't you start us off on right? Hold on. I have a, I have a, who, who is that Cameron? Sorry. I was looking into something. He picked Willie. Willie Mays is also he, uh, the question was how did he appear in 24 all-star games over the course of 20 years? Because in 59, 60, 61, and 62, they had two all-star games per year. That's just something they did. Apparently. Huh. Bringing more, more money. Yeah, yeah. All, all about the money. Yeah. Okay, uh, moving on to right field. Cameron, what do you got? Um, right field is uh, Babe Ruth, and it's not cl- close. He's a cultural icon, you know, um, years and years. He's another guy that played 100 years ago. Um, I think I read a stat earlier today that in 1923, he hit 54 home runs, the second place guy in the entire big league, both leagues was 19 home runs. So he'd hit more 
home runs in an entire team changed the way the, the game was played. Um, just a, a bigger than life personality smoked and drank and then showed up for the game. You know, he'd throw a complete game one day and, you know, smash it out of the park the next day. So there's a rule. Should they make everyone have a glass yeah. of whiskey and a cigar before they play today? I Should they do that? <laughs> See, my question is, would he have been better or worse if they would have banned alcohol and, and tobacco at the ballparks? I don't think he drank during the game, but I'm sure before he got there, there was. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and he was a great pitcher, too, for a few years. Yeah, it's a Cy Young so, winning pitcher. So if I understand, that would be several years where he wasn't obviously hitting, right, Cliff? Like. He wasn't pitching and hitting, was he? Or not as much? No. So, so he pitched at Boston. He played, I mean, it, he came up in 1914, but he didn't play a full season. So he played 42 games in 15, 62, 7, 52, and, and then 95. And then towards his later years at Boston, he started hitting. He played 130 games. And then he went to the Yankees. He didn't pitch at all there. Okay. So all that all that to say is, I mean, had he been a hitter from the beginning, his seven fourteen right home runs would have could have been even higher. You know, he absolutely. Actually, he he actually did pitch at the Yankees. He pitched four innings one game and nine innings another game. Oh, jeez. Awesome. There's not a lot of great hitters that are also great pitchers. I mean, that just tells you something about him. Um, Cliff, who, who do you got for right field? Uh, Babe Ruth. Okay. And Randy? You know, I, I have Babe Ruth. I wanted to take somebody else um, and flip-flop, but uh, because that person didn't play right field, I moved Ruth from my DH spot to my right field spot. He's an absolute liability in the outfield defensively but uh, historically great hitter. Fun fact about Babe Ruth, he only made two all-star games in his career. Do you know why? They started those last two years. The first all-star game was in 1933, uh, which was, he played two all-star games, 33 and 34. And then his last season was with the Boston Braves. He wasn't an all-star. He was a, he was done at that point, but yeah. Didn't he manage a team for a little while or something? He was a manager. I think he might have been a player manager with the Braves, but I know he just after that. Um, you know, he should bring that back. Player he managers. Won, he yeah. won ninety-four games as a pitcher, so it wasn't like he just pitched for the Braves, uh, the Red Sox, a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, Tani is the big talk with baseball now. The two-way player, phenomenal season. Um, I. I don't know. I, I have a little bit of bias with old players and how they would have matched up today, but that's a discussion for another day. This guy was the alpha for a hundred years. I mean, he's the, he's the barometer that you measure everything to. He, he can't not be on a. Sure. And you know, the big saber metrics numbers that we're talking about, a hundred years after Babe Ruth's prime is on base percentage and OPS. And he is the lifetime leader in on base percentage, or excuse me, slugging percentage and OPS. Um, 
Yeah, his WAR's at one eighty three. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Unheard of. All right, um, Eric, do you have any questions before we hit the DH? Um, yeah, this will be my last question before we wrap up because I'm not going to ask questions at the end. Um, and these are kind of some here's some yes no questions. Should should we start doing baseballs baseball games ending in ties like soccer? No. No. Think about it, Cameron. No. No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Should they go. enact a mercy rule? <laughs> like Little League? <laughs> no. No. You're professional. Don't want to hurt their confidence. That would be You're professional. Really sad. You're losing by should the Diamondbacks have a mercy rule on the season? That <laughs> <laughs> they'll sell everybody. Um, I those I so the only other question that, that's an honest question is should there and I think it'll be no's all around because it sounds like baseball fans tend to be purists. Um, should there be a home run trot rule? Like you can't take a minute to get around the bases. Hurry it up or your run or doesn't what? count. Or what? Your run doesn't count. They always say baseball polices itself. If you do a, a slow trot, you're going to get hit in the ribs next time, and that'll take care of it. You don't need to legislate that. All right. Um, if you don't want them to trot around the bases, get them out. Yep. Also a good point. All right. Yeah. Can't argue with that. Um, Cliff, designated hitter, why don't you okay, lead so us I off? Mean, I need clarification on this. So the DH, can it be just any hitter, or does it have to be an American League hitter that played DH? Because in the National League, I don't know. He, he would play DH when he was in interleague games. So. Sure. I don't okay. care. I mean, Randy or Cameron, if it matters to you, who, if I, I, I think if we're the three managers and we're trying to put together the best roster, I think there needs to be a little bit of creativity there. So I, I would okay. say just a great hitter. Okay. My designated hitter is Barry Bonds. Uh, with or without steroids? I'm with. <laughs> Obviously, just, just so my follow-up question: Should baseball just go ahead and allow steroids? It's a lot more fun. They did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did exactly. for a long time. They knew it was happening. They never did anything. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's not a surprise. They they knew it. The the problem was the players got too good at it, and it became too hard to even hide. And then the media got to it to where, but. It's, <laughs> We're going along, going on a lot longer than. And the other thing too is, you know, they take it to the extreme, and all of a sudden they're a Lyle Alzado, you know, and they're physically just crushed, you know. So, I mean, that steroids burns up your organs quick and messes you up. So, you're seeing the same thing with substances for pitchers. There's the problem that they put substances on baseball for a long time. The problem is they're getting so good at it that the ball's doing things that they can measure now with spin rate and whatnot, and they know that something's wrong and they want to fix it. So, but anyways, back to Barry Bonds. I mean, home run King, I mean, feared at the plate bases loaded. We'll just go ahead and walk you and take the one run. So, I mean, if you want somebody out there that's going to be getting runs in it, it's going to be Barry. Yeah, he whether was, you agree, whether you agree with steroids or not. 
he, he's my least favorite athlete of all time. You guys know how much I hate LeBron. Um, the only athlete I've ever hated more than LeBron is Barry Bonds. Um, hey, his, te- his teammates would say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was a notorious jerk in the clubhouse. Everybody hated him, but man, he got on base. If you look at his stats from, I think it was that 2004 season, it wasn't the year that he hit the 73 home runs, but you know, those are video game numbers. He affected the game so much. And, you know, every, every person in the stadium, everybody watching the game, as a Dodger fan just was terrified of him and, you know, right or wrong cheater or not, he was an unbelievable player. Well, Cameron, is that who you pick for your DH? No, I am not choosing that guy on my team. Absolutely. (laughs) He's a clubhouse cancer. And I really liked to Cliff's team until, until he chose Barry Bonds. (laughs) Um, But I'm going to, I'm going to, kind of be a little bit of a hypocrite here. Cause I'm going to choose another guy who <laughs> definitely was, was on the juice. Um, but just <laughs> such Wire. a good hitter, Alex Rodriguez. Oh, um, okay. he did it for a long time. <sighs> he did it effectively. Um, I know I, I, I don't like this pick. He hit three fish. He drove in 156 runs one year. Um, you know, he, he hit, 57 home runs one year. Yes, he's not very likable at all, but man, that guy could could hit the baseball. So he's my DH. Randy. Hopefully you're not planning on playing in the playoffs then, Cam, because uh, those stats are all regular season. He, he was not clutch. He was not my, clutch. My wild card, and there's a little bit of evil genius here. Eric's going to love this. So um, – I would pick him as my DH and then I'd put him in right field and DH Babe Ruth. Uh, and that is the kid wearing my hand backwards for uh, Ken Griffey Jr. 22 year career, 13 time all-star, won the AL MVP, 10 time gold glove winner, seven time silver slugger, four time AL home run leader, uh, part of the MLBL century team, Hall of Fame 2016. He's one of those guys that talk about what could have been if he hadn't yep. gotten hurt he could have probably been the best player of all time yeah yeah he would have and been in a way, lot of ways maze had one of the best swings of all time sweet swing yeah. 280 mm-hmm. hitter hit 630 home runs and really the last half of his career he was injured mm-hmm. he's he's just and again if, if we're talking about best dh all time i think you gotta go with bonds as a pure hitter um to me, on my team, if I was building that team, my original thought was to actually put Babe Ruth as the DH and put Ken Griffey in right field. And, and having an outfield of Griffey, Mays, and Williams um, would have been pretty potent. But uh, Griffey Jr. is my pick for DH. He was a, he did some amazing stuff in the outfield. Some of those catches yeah. he made and stuff were just unbelievable. All right, so we got a three-way tie here. So you guys got to vote for... Somebody not yourself, um, A-Rod, Barry Bonds, or Ken Griffey Jr.? I got to go with Griffey then, by default. Griffey. Griffey? I'm voting for Bonds. But Griffey gets two votes? Okay, wait a minute. Who did you pick, Cameron? For DH? Yeah. Alex Rodriguez. Okay, I'm going to pick Alex Rodriguez. So someone's got to pick the guy. 
So now it's up to Eric mm. or I. <laughs> I'm going to pick, if it's up to me, I'm picking Griffey Jr. I loved watching him play when I was a kid. And when I lived in Cincinnati for a couple of years, I got to go to some of the games, even mm. though he wasn't the same player that he was, he was still really good. Um, um, so I would go with Griffey. Eric, do you have a... I, I think that's where I tend to go just because I, I think I'd lean that way in it for a character reason rather than stats or ability, but it'd be on character. Griffey. Okay. Well, that gives us our final 12. Um, Which that's the only category where Cliff did not have the winner. It was DH. Jeez. <laughs> That yeah, sounds a lot right. of stars next yeah. to Cliff's name. Yeah. So I out of those final 12, I mean, we don't have to get too exhaustive, but if you want to give me a gut reaction, of those final 12, who would you consider the best player of all time? I see we have Randy Johnson, uh, Dennis Eckersley, uh, Mariano Rivera, uh, Johnny Bench is our catcher, Luke Gehrig at first base, Jackie Robinson at second, Mike Schmidt at third. Honus Wagner at shortstop, Ted Williams in left field, Willie Mays in center, Babe Ruth in right, and Ken Griffey Jr. as our DH. Of those 12, Cameron, Randy, and Cliff, who would, who would you pick as your all-time favorite or best? I'll go first. I mean, it, for me, it'd be hard. It's hard between Gary Wagner and uh, Williams, but I would have to, like I said before, I think Ted Williams would have to be the pick. Okay. To me, it's uh, it's a three horse race as well. Williams, Mays, and Roof, and you know you can you can talk for hours and hours about that. But um, the best player to ever live probably is Ted Williams. Randy, I've got to go with Willie Mays. Um, I love Ted Williams. He is my one of my top all time players, but. Williams wasn't the defender that Willie Mays was. Willie Mays hit 660 home runs and had 12, home, 12 gold gloves. And if you're looking for a complete baseball player, patrolling center field and hitting like he did and running bases, I think Willie Mays is the most baseball player of all time. Okay. Um, I think it's a great list. I, I did notice as we were, you guys were making your picks though, I thought for sure Hank Aaron would hop up on somebody's list mm. as they're, I think he played right field. Um, I had in my second pick after Ruth, but yeah, I had to go with Ruth. Sure. And yeah. um, I, I don't know if he's an all time great, but I just wanted to bring up Pete Rose because he's freaking Pete Rose. Um, so I, I don't know. There's just Pete some interesting Rose at his peak. He had a, he had a short uh, peak. But when he was at his very best, he was unbelievable. Sure. Should they let Pete into the Hall of Fame? That's yes. That's a great question. Yep. I agree. Let him in. Cameron? 100%. Okay. If you, if you went back on the past of a lot of people that are in the Hall of Fame, a lot of them did a lot worse than Pete. So. Yeah. Yeah, that would be the best way to do it, too, is to, is to pull the, you know, current living Hall of Famers. And I bet... 80% of the guys would, would vote him in. No, they would not. They don't like him. Yeah. There's, he's an, he's as arrogant and 
plat cash as they come. He's a jerk, but he deserves That's it. Why, yeah, they're not going to vote for him. <laughs> All right. Well, that's they, they get a vote. So, oh, do they? Yeah. But the way I understand it is with Pete Rose, it's, I mean, it's been personal between him and C League and whoever the commissioner is now. Like, it's not just, it, it, it's been three commissioners. Yeah. So it, it's not just it's personal. It's Pete I mean, Rose. that's a stat worth putting him in the Hall of Fame for. Yeah. Pissed off three commissioners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jake, before we wrap, I, I just want to give you the, some stats on the greatest fictional baseball player of all time. Oh, great. Yeah. Paul Durham. Uh, Roy Hobbs from The National. Oh. The Natural. In the movie, uh, he had 100 and 148 at-bats. He got called up in August. A- according to movie stats, he hit 622 in that in season. <laughs> 92 hits and 28 home runs. I don't know why he doesn't have commercial deals. Basically three months. So. <laughs> well, I would challenge enough, you. In, in the movie, he's left-handed. He wears number nine and, and was loose. He wasn't based on Ted Williams in the book, but there are a lot of things in the movie that Redford did to mimic Ted Williams. So. Okay. I mean, that's that's fair. I would say Henry, what was his name? Henry Rowe from Rookie of the Year could be up there if we're talking fictional baseball players. He <laughs> took the Cubs to the series. So, I mean, that's... Rowinger, the kid, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, um, Kevin from uh, American Pie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not easy. And he had, to, he had Gary Busey that he had to replace. I mean, that's... <laughs> that's big league stuff. So, um no, that's awesome. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I think that that wraps this episode. Um, it was really good. And, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people say, I don't know history or I'm not into history. And it's like, well, baseball is history and it's American history. And it was really cool to kind of, to dig into that tonight. And, um, uh, I appreciate everything you guys making the time for us. And, um, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, same to you, Cameron. Um, thank you for taking the helm on being our resident dad bod baseball expert because clearly Eric and I have no idea what we're talking about. So it's fun, guys. Good episode. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. Yeah. And uh before we go next week, uh, we're gonna be doing this. Oh, George. Looking forward to yeah. Get, yes. We're getting Orwellian. Good old Eric Blair. And uh <laughs> I'm gonna read that. So uh, that's next week. Uh, join us for that as well. And then I think that's it for me. All right. Well, we'll see you all next week. Thank you for watching Dad Body History. Like, subscribe, and follow. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Awesome.